Go in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. We'll start there, the Prince of Preachers, Isaiah. Uh, CD mailings. Stephen has let me know that we've got some that need to be mailed out, so grab those and help us out. Those CDs go everywhere. They get around. Isaiah 35, verses 1 and 2. Did my brother-in-law make it? No, they didn't make it. Huh? There, he made it. He told me he'd be here if I didn't preach very long. <laughs> so because of Luis, I'm going to preach an hour. <laughs> there, no, you sit down. <laughs> no, I told him yesterday, I tell him what Liz Taylor told her eighth husband, I won't keep you long. Isaiah 35, 1 and 2. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose, which is not just figurative statement. That literally has happened. Israel as a desert has blossomed as a rose. Israel feeds about, and that's just one. How many knows that Israel is the size of New Jersey? And Israel can be, you can shape that, you can slice that into four sections, north to south, and in just one of those sections, which would be slicing, let's say, New Jersey, from one of those section slices is where all of their agriculture and produce comes from. And it not only feeds their country, it feeds about one-fifth of Europe. So it's incredible to where God has stood exactly uh, by his word, and, and that's exactly what's happened. The desert has blossomed as a rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. Now watch how the shift gears here. And the glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Who knows what the glory of Lebanon was? They're cedar trees. And God likens, and we'll see this before this sermon is over, God likens his people to the cedars of Lebanon. There you have the message, Luis. You can uh, be... <laughs> Would you bow your heads, please? Father, we thank you, God, for this group of people that are here, your people, and we're praying, God, that this would be a time of... of uh, of learning for them, a time of growing for them, Lord, a time of knowing just how much you care for us. In Jesus' wonderful name we're praying. Amen. The cedars of Lebanon were the same trees that was used to build the Solomon's temple. And the terrible thing of that, as, as Hiram, the king of Solomon, really had a kinship both with David and Solomon. But the tragedy of this is they didn't replace any trees. They cut down all of these trees and shipped them via the Mediterranean Sea 
to Israel for them to use in all of their buildings, particularly in Jerusalem, and yet they never thought it worthy to replant any of the trees. You look it up in the Encyclopedia Britannica, and it says, originally, much of the country was heavily forested, but forests only cover 7% of the land today. Much of Lebanon was covered with cedars, and now only 7%, and that is protected by their government, thus says the Encyclopedia Britannica. Not concerned about the next generation. And I'm telling you, that is sinful. Do you now know that we are encroaching upon the indebtedness of the United States of America at $17 trillion? And what that is saying is to our children and their children's children, we really don't care about you. We only care about the here and now. And that's shameful. Do you realize that currently, not only do we pay for our military, but the good old U.S. of A, because of the monies that we have borrowed from China and what we pay back in interest, supports the Chinese army as well as our army. And the Chinese army is the largest army on the planet. This is why you see over and over and over again in the Bible where it talks about that, if we see it in Exodus chapter 20, where God says that the iniquity of the fathers is passed down unto the third and fourth generation. You know what I believe? I believe that can be flipped over and you can visit the righteousness of the fathers, can visit the children unto the third and the fourth generation as well. When I hear people say, ah, oh, preacher, I'll just go out and get drunk. It only affects me. You are dead wrong. According to the Bible, it affects and impacts your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and your great-great-grandchildren. And if God said that's true, I believe that. And what that tells me on a personal level is, my, uh, we, we were somebody in my family by the name of Calvin Shell, who was a captain in the Civil War for the North, what that means is that his life he lived impacted his son, who was Mark Shell, who I knew, I knew a guy when I was 15 years of age, and he was an old man then, and he said, he found out my name, and he said, I worked with your, with another person called Mark Shell. And I said, no, you got to be mistaken. He said, no, I did. He's your relative. That guy was the meanest guy I've ever seen. I was just a teenager working in the woods, and he worked in the timber, and he was 70-some years old then, and he could outwork all of us young guys, and he'd get so mad at us because we wasn't working, and his face would get so red, and he'd just cuss us boys out. But that's another story. So you've got Calvin, and then there's Mark, and then there is... Pearly, Pearly Shell. 
His middle name was Gates. It wasn't, but it should have been. That would have been a great name. So on, on Calvin's lineage, on what he impacted and who he impacted, was first Mark, his son, after that Pearly, his grandson, after that Warren, his great-great-grandson, and then after that you've got um, Jackie, who was my dad. So, and again, I, I, I tend to believe the Bible. If the Bible says that that man's life, what he did, impacted that many, that many other people, I believe that. Over and over you see it. Third and fourth generation. Over and over you see it. The children's children. God is really, 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 he wants us to be able to know that he is concerned about just not this generation, but the next generation. That's why you see it. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's always looking for that next generation. Hallelujah. That's why I don't back up or make any, any uh, 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 apologies or excuses for the monies that goes toward any type of things that we do for our youth. Because I think God is very concerned with our youth. Amen. Now, the first thing I want to look at here is there are four types of cedar trees. Number one was the little cedar. And the little cedar had something about it that was so unique. If you cut them down and you put them on a cart, or even to this day, if you load them up on a wagon or in a truck, they just automatically cling to each other. They don't even have to be roped down or strapped down, and they can have a bumpy road or a hilly road going up and down, and those things won't fall off. They have a stick to about it. I like that. I like that. A stick to about them. They cling together. Little cedars, I believe, have real good habits in their life. I believe little cedars will read the Bible every day. I believe little cedars will pray every day. I believe little cedars, when it's time to go to church, they will be there at church. Amen. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. And I go over this from time to time. Tithing. It's just, preacher, if I could just understand it, I would tithe, but it's just so over my head. And maybe if I grow some more in my faith and, uh, you know, come back next year, maybe I'll be at that level. And if you make 200 bucks, you give God 20. Oh, if I could just understand that. I went to Wayne City High School and I can understand that. Don't tell me otherwise. Only one way to be truly blessed, and that's be willing to help out in the work of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Paul escapes in the book of Acts. He's put in a basket and he's let down the wall. That if there was ever precious cargo, that was precious cargo. And we do not know the names of the people that did that, that risked their own lives so Paul could live on. But listen to what Paul writes in Romans 16. For my life, they risked their own necks. 
So this man could go on and write 13 epistles, plant numerous churches, and literally rewrite history because some little cedars whose names we don't even know got involved. Oh, what does it matter? What does it matter if I get involved or not? Hey, Think of, the, think of the blessing that they'll receive on Judgment Day, those, those four guys that helped Paul that day. Rope holders. Pastor, you can count on my faithfulness, on my commitment. Pastor, I've got your back. Man, that is music to my ears. God is looking. This church is looking. This pastor is looking for some little cedars who will be here, and they don't always have to be in the prop-up ministry. The, you know what the prop-up ministry club is. Oh, no, you fell down again. Oh, here, let me help you. We need to get way beyond that. Oh, the preacher didn't shake my hand. He looked right at me, and he went the other way. <laughs> We need to get way beyond that. Number two, the fire cedars. The fire cedars are saturated with an oily sap. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but I had a guy tell me that you could take cotton balls, put them in Vaseline, and then put them in a, in a plastic bag, and you just take them with you going camping, and you can just throw them down, throw one of them down there and put the wood on top of it and light, light the match. And that thing will just burn and burn and burn until the rest of the wood's on fire. Does anybody know that to be true? We got some hands. We got some hands. I don't know if that's true or not. Preacher up there preaching, don't know if he's telling the truth or not. I just... <laughs> it sounds good. But a fire cedar, they would take them and they knew that if they had a fire cedar around, there was no trouble getting the fire started because there was so much oil within them that they could take those little branches, put underneath a bigger uh, kindling wood, and it would start the fire. I believe that we as Christian people, it shouldn't be Carlin's job, the praise team's job, to where they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're just pumping us up every Sunday morning. Oh, uh, uh, you know, they're just pumping us up, pumping us up. We're here to pump you up. We shouldn't have to do that. The moment you step into the house of God, you ought to be ready and willing not for some, for some uh, music leader to be able to have to just, you know, give me a J, give me an E, give me an S-U-S. Shouldn't have to be that way. We should be ready at, I mean, the strike of that match, the spark of the Holy Spirit to where we are ready to praise God. I'm not telling that we should be uh, to where we're just uh, formalistic. I don't like that. I don't like fanaticism neither. But what I like is knowing that we're free in Jesus to be able to worship him in spirit and in truth. In Acts chapter 2, 120 fire cedars. I mean, I mean, God lit the fire, and they and they they burned for Jesus. You heard the story of the guy that the church house got on fire, and and they had a fire. They had a water brigade, and the uh, the town atheist showed up, and he was right there, shoulder to shoulder with the pastor, trying to put that 
fire out. And the pastor, being a little sarcastic, he looked over at him and he said, well, I've never seen you at church before. And the atheist looked at him and said, well, preacher, I've never seen your church on fire. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon and his wife, that preacher of a uh, hundred plus years ago that impacted so many people, still impacting people. His wife was relaxing before the fireplace and as they was watching the fire burn, one of the, the gas that was trapped in one of those logs as that fire heated up, it let out a whistle. And I love Spurgeon's quote. Spurgeon looks to his wife and says, it takes the fire to bring out the music. That's good. That's good. Brings me to my next one, the humming cedar. The humming cedars had a bell-shaped leaf upon them that when the wind blew just right, there was a hum to it. Hebrew history says that that's how David would tune his heart was he'd travel north to where he could hear the humming cedars and he would tune his harp to that. I thought about this. It would have been fun to do it as, you know, in each section, but you always got to keep in mind, you're not just preaching here. I'm preaching at Centralia and I'm preaching over at Fairfield too. So I can't leave them out. And this wouldn't work real good over there if I did it just, just according to here. I want this right here, this to be a line right down the middle of this building. That'll work at Centralia, that'll work over at Fairfield. Now, I want this side of the church on three to hum. Are you ready? One, two, three. Hmm. Now, on this side, on three, you got to follow my lead. Virtuoso, or however they say it here. One, two, three. We need a church full of humming cedars. They know how to get along with others. They work well with others. The number of times that I have heard Joy Taylor say, that's not a problem. And I always think, hmm. <laughs> that's not a problem. Humming cedars. At midnight in Philippi, there were two humming cedars that began to hum and then to sing. And wouldn't it have been so much easier to have been depressed? They just had their backs beaten, they're put in prison. But instead, Paul looks over at Silas and says, hey, how about a song? And Silas said, I don't feel like singing. <laughs> and Paul said, well, let's just hum a while then. And they hummed a while. And then they started singing. That's all in the Greek. You got to really get down to where they hummed. <laughs> That's in the Greek. Only when the winds blow will you find out if you're a humming cedar or just an old scrub oak. As long as, the, as you're in perfect health and the kids are doing great 
and the, and the refrigerator is full and the bills are all paid. But man, you let things start going crazy. And then we'll see what you're made of. See what you're made of. God's not looking for crab apple trees or a weeping willow. God's looking for that humming cedar. Paul, listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 4. Persecuted but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. I love how one version puts this. Often knocked down but never knocked out. I like that. I like that. And thank the Lord for all the humming cedars here at Orchardville Church. It keeps us in harmony. This week, thinking along these lines, I thought of Donnie Hefner. He just keeps humming along. No matter what confronts him, he talks to me, if not every week, about every other week, he just keeps humming along. This is what Donnie told me recently. Maybe a month ago or so, he was at the Centralia branch. He says, I'm sitting there in that service. I'm thinking, they've done some remodeling. Because the altars are so close. And he said, I sat there through the rest of that service and thought, no, they they haven't done any remodeling. And he said, then it just hit him. The altars seem so close because he's so close. And he told me, Mark, the day that I was born again over there, he said, that Sunday morning, those altars seem so far away. And he said, it was because I was so far away. That was a good word. That encouraged me. That really encouraged me when I heard that. In 2 Corinthians, in in chapter 7, God comforted me by sending me Titus. Everybody here can be part of the Titus ministry to where you comfort one another, where you go around encouraging one another. I read an email from Bo Bear that he sent me back in June of this year. Now, how's that for a big response, a real quick response back to an email? <laughs> June, May or June of this year. And it was real encouraging. And since I've got my new iPhone and I'm now really just, you know, just. <laughs> I emailed him back. You see, that was May, June, July, August, September. Four months. Shelby Esman. Wonderful email from him. Nicole Lawson. Centralia Branch. Wonderful email from her. Encouraging. That's what humming cedars do. They encourage one another. Thank God. And then there's the tall cedar. Psalms 92, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. But the only way that you can grow up is at first, you've got to grow down. 
Put another way, the height you reach will be in direct proportion to your depth of commitment. I asked for this way too late. Maybe I'll use it some other time. It's my fault. I asked for it 20 minutes before the service began. <clears throat> How many's ever seen the video of Derek Redmond? And I think that was Barcelona in the Olympics to where he's running the 400 meters, British runner. And he's almost to the end of that race and his hamstring goes out. You ever seen that? And then his dad comes out of the crowd. It is so moving. And helps his son up. And both of them link together, finish that race. I know I'll never be a gold medalist, a silver medalist, or a bronze. But you know what I do know? I can finish the race. And with every, all, all the training, all the years of sacrifice, and that man not being a gold medalist or a silver or a bronze, but he was dead certain he was going to finish that race. And he got up and started hobbling that way. And his dad, it's so moving, his dad came over. And officials trying to keep his dad away. And his dad moves him out of the way. And he grabs his son. And they finish that race. I want to finish. I want to finish. I won't be the best. And I won't be the fastest. And I won't be the best looking. But I'll finish. Let's all stand. Father, in the wonderful, in the wonderful name of Jesus, that one who there's none in comparison with, we thank you for his sacrifice, and we thank you, God, that we can be called one of your own because of that sacrifice. Lord, you know the hearts of people here this day. God, it's not my job to try to go back and pull people forward. But Lord, your Holy Spirit, he will knock. That still small voice. And Lord, if there are needs in this house today, first and foremost, for salvation in Jesus Christ, I'm praying, God, that that knock is so overwhelming to where they'll know today's my day. And Lord, if they're just, they're just needs, and God, we live in a, a, a troublesome time. Without a doubt, people know that. Maybe there are burdens on people's hearts that they just want to just pour out to you. God, we want to give them that opportunity to. Touch the hearts of people here today, and we'll give you the praise for that. In Jesus we're praying. Amen.
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.